Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last conversation. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, thank you so much for coming back. But if you're new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer or soda or some boring ass seltzer water in the fridge. Cheers to my friends. How you doing out there in the internet? I am sitting here today with Jason. Jason? Is your name Jason? Did I fuck that up? Yes, it's true. Jason and Natalie? Jason and Natalie? You have to. All right. Jason and Natalie of Surefire. Make some noise for the internet. Sorry about that. It's been quite a day. Not really. I've been doing like nothing and my brain is completely like worthless these these days. How are you two holding up? We're doing good. You, you at least were able to pick out a fantastic shirt for, for today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, this is my uh, my zombie tiki drink shirt. I wish I had a tiki drink it. right now. I could use one. Well, that's what I'm kind of disappointed we're doing this virtually because when I see you guys doing the live ones, it's always you got a drink in hand or having a really good time. So, yeah, yeah. In full discretion, it's Tuesday afternoon and I don't live the (laughs) rock and roll life that I may portray. You know, it's all right. Neither do we. Neither do we. We really, really don't from day to day. (laughs) It's for the best. I think that the thing that has been really fun about this show and talking with different bands from all walks of life, meeting new people such as the two of you, I've really come to realize that everybody's just boring. Like there's nothing really that exciting that anybody is doing, but underneath all of that, there's plenty of exciting, of exciting things that all of us are doing. Sure. Fire doing exciting things and exciting band name. So let's talk about it. Who the hell are you? Why are you here? We're, we're still trying to figure out the who the hell are we part. <laughs> Why we're here is because I approached you in a, in a new restaurant in Zelenopo. I was like, hey, I know you from the internet. That was that creepy guy that you know came yeah. to you to do that. But now that's why we're here. But yeah, no, it's it's uh it's good to be talking to you. We've been we've been doing this for what uh, three years, maybe almost four years, kind of on and off. Uh, Natalie lived out of town for a number of those first couple years. We've been at it probably for a good two years now, and kind of navigating our way through uh, what this is, what Surefire is. And uh, Mm -hmm. we've been like probably everyone else in the world, both in the music world and the outer world is just kind of put on pause and put on a different path right now, trying to figure out how to navigate it. So how have the two of you been using this extra time productively, if at all? I mean, with like the shutdown, like we experienced for like, two and a half months, like we had no excuse, like not to write and not to like use the time that we were given to try and like, are like, all right, this is a weird time in our life. Like how can we make it more productive and how can we get something out of it? And luckily we've been able to do that. Yeah. I mean, the, when I saw you at, at the restaurant, when we talk about lockdown, everyone kind of manages their risk differently. That was like the first time I was in an, an establishment since March. So we really had kind of some some downtime, and um, we wrote an album. 
uh, something we weren't planning to do coming into 2020, but everything was put on pause. We were pounding out singles thinking that was the way to do it. And, you know, here, here comes a bunch of free time. And I don't know if you can see the board and the, you can't, you know, I was going to comment on the fucking board. I can see it. (laughs) That's the board. In the plain ass board yeah. walls, you got the the whiteboard that has our ten or eleven songs. We got. I'm gonna uh, since I since I have the capability to do it, I'm just gonna fucking zoom in on it right here. So Man. for anybody watching the video, I've zoomed in on the board as much as I possibly can at the moment. Actually, I could probably zoom in more, but there's now it's gonna be a motherfucker for me to fix this later. But anyways, there's a board. See, this is what you've been doing in quarantine, literally right here on this board. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's uh, that's ten songs. We got nothing incriminating on there, but but yeah, we really kind of took a fresh look and said, uh, like like I said before, still trying to figure out what the trying to get our way into the music industry was, and, and pounding out singles and trying to just get people to stream our singles and taking a step back and got a good opportunity to put together what we think is going to be a pretty sweet uh, sweet project. That's awesome. I'm glad that you've taken the time to do that. I've talked with a lot of other people that have done similar things with the projects and taking the time to just put more into the band, which is something that is really awesome for, I think bands that operate on your level. And I play in some bands and, you know, we're on the same page. We're in the same city, same story. And we never take these breaks to really focus on stuff. But if you think about like, bands that are you know big touring bands you know they tour for a month or two out of the year and then they have those six months to just write a goddamn album you know it's not really a luxury that we normally give ourselves to do because we're like oh we have to record we got to put out a single we have to play this show we got to play that bar gig you never know who's gonna be there blah 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 yeah that's the thing it was like uh, we were getting into a pretty good groove of playing shows and, and getting out to see people. But me personally, I can't speak for Natalie, but I was becoming obsessed with like the, the social media shit. Just uh, can I, is this, is this a child shit? Okay. Say shit. You could say fuck. You could say shit. You could say pee pee. Whatever you like. No, no, no. I never, <laughs> all right. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I was getting obsessed with that, like the social media content. You got to, if we put out this single, I want to get this many streams and, and really weren't focusing on, or at least I wasn't focusing on the opportunity to, to write, to create. And that's, that's the thing I think we connected on early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that it's really, really unfortunately easy for bands these days to get sidetracked and kind of forget like who we are and why we started doing this in the first place. Like I started making music because I was a weird kid that had like crappy friends and I didn't like to hang out with them. So I just made music alone in my room. Right. And now, you know, I have to be a fucking marketing manager. Like, I don't want to do this. That's the stuff that the the losers do. I just want to write rock and roll songs. God damn it. But it is cool to have these tools at our disposal and to not have to rely on slimy people. We only have to rely on our own self-deprecating, hateful towards ourselves artistness to get us through this shit. So I don't know if it's it's better or worse, probably uh, depending on who you are. But for you two, let's get like into just the beginning of how you two met and how this whole thing became what it is. So why did you start hanging out with each other? 
So um, it's a family affair because Jason started dating and eventually married my sister. Wow. And whenever, yeah, whenever they, um, like, she was like, yeah, this guy's going to be around for a while. And (laughs) I was like, oh, okay, well, I better get to know him. And like started conversations like, I was like, oh, you're an auditor for an accounting firm. Don't know anything about that. I was like, oh, you played basketball. You love golf. I hate both of those things. And then finally found out, oh, he used to be in a band. Oh, I started to write songs. And from there, it just kind of like blossomed. And then like one day, I forget where I was living. um, I texted him. I was like, I think I have the beginnings of a song. And I sent it to him. And that's how we would communicate whenever I lived out of town was just sending voice notes back and forth to each other. Well, what if it was this? What if it was that? And then that turned into our first song, which was Bullet in a Gun. And then things got a lot easier whenever I moved back to Pittsburgh. And then it just kind of went from there. So whether it's band stuff or not, like we see each other pretty frequently. I got you. I got you. Where were you living before here? Um, I used to travel. I was a freelancer. I used to travel around a lot. I lived in DC for like three years and like lived in Florida, North Carolina, upstate New York, a bunch of different places. Are you from here originally? Yeah. Yeah. We're both from right, right, right near where I saw you there in, in Zealand. Oh, nice. Nice. What a quaint little town. How has that place changed over the years? I had never really been there before, but it seems like it could be one of those places that wasn't like that five years ago. So it was, we both grew up a little bit south of there, Cranberry, which exploded as you probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, I think went through some downs and now it's coming back up to kind of maybe, I don't want to be, you know, too. Uh, it's you know Lawrenceville-esque. It's getting some vibe back on that little main street, but it's also there's a lot of construction, so it's becoming a little cranberry. So it's like a you got that cool main street in that in that area where they got some bars and restaurants popping up that making it uh, attractive. But on the outside, it's becoming cranberry like too. Yeah, cranberry's kind of like the wine mom capital of Pennsylvania, isn't it? That is yeah. When I when I like was born, it was farmland, and now it's exactly mm-hmm. what you said. The the, the wine. I'm going to steal <laughs> Pennsylvania, uh, but yeah, no, like Natalie said, I mean that that story. Our, our background was was perfectly descriptive, yeah. uh, but for me, it was like I heard her sing. I forget where, maybe it was a church or something, and I was like, I've always loved writing songs. I don't have any like real great musical talents. Um, so I, I heard her sing. I was like, Hey, we could write together. And she that's, you know, started writing songs and it just kind of went from there. And the opportunity to get, to get songs out, to get people to hear her voice was like a pretty, uh, pretty exciting part for me. That's awesome. So, you know, Natalie, prior to this project, had you actually performed or played with anybody before or was singing just like a personal thing you were into? Um, like I did like musicals and stuff, um, like growing up throughout like high school and everything. And then when I went to college, I actually worked backstage. I have my BFA in theater, but I worked backstage, like doing costumes and everything. And I took like one or two voice classes there, but they were very much like, oh, you have a lot of talent, but you have to do this thing and that thing. And you shouldn't smoke. You shouldn't drink so much. And you shouldn't do like 
kind of all these things to make it a cookie cutter, like kind of like okay. vocal student. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So up until like doing She's like, I want to smoke. I want to drink. <laughs> <laughs> I do that so much. Yeah. But um, no. And then, so singing was just pretty much like a personal hobby until Jason and I started like this whole thing. Okay. So that's pretty interesting because, you know, I think that singing is something that it's to like, you know, really pick it up and start taking it like seriously at like a later part in your life instead of being like, oh, I've been singing in, you know, band since I was 12 or whatever. It's a it's a different perspective. But if you were like in school and things like that and singing, I guess that it was just were you like the type of person that would just like always be singing no matter what, like maybe not even thinking about it. Just like listening to like no, no, not at all. Okay. Did you keep it? Was it like? Did you? She like, was saving it up. Did a lot of people around you know that that was something that you were into, or was it just like no. like seriously just a personal like I, I do this, but I don't think much of it. It was like um, besides like doing like some shows in like high school and college, no one really knew because like I'm just not a really like. Like, oh, I can do this thing. I've never been one to like brag about anything I'm like particularly good at, even though like I don't think I'm that good at, at singing. There's but, a self deprecating uh, <laughs> aspect of musical promotion there. Uh, yeah, don't but, worry. Yeah. Everybody has it. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just never wanted to be like that person that was like, oh, I can do this great thing. All right. So, what did you want to be in high school? In high school, I was actually training to be an actor. And then when I got to college, I was like, I don't like people directing me and telling me what to do. So I worked backstage. Okay. And I would hear people like singing and like shows and everything. And just in my head to myself, I'd be like, they're flat. They did that wrong. <laughs> like they're losing breath control here. They should try and do this. Totally. And then tell no one. It's <laughs> just completely in my head. I was also, when I was a kid, I was super anxious and had a lot of stage fright. So that contributed as to why I didn't start getting more comfortable um, performing later whenever I just don't care as much. Mm-hmm. Now, Jason, what's your backstory in terms of, you know, pre, what were you, an auditor? Was that what, what I had heard? Auditing, you may st- you may still be auditing. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, whatever you were doing pre that, uh, it had come up that you were playing in bands prior to this. So, what was some of your background in terms of in terms of getting into playing music? Yeah, no. In eighth grade, I picked up a guitar, and and probably for all the reasons that prepubescent kids pick up pick up a guitar to you know try to be cool and uh a, a good friend of mine in the neighborhood accidentally bought two albums of rufio uh perhaps i suppose as a pop punk emo band from back in the day mm-hmm. and he gave me one and it just like blew my mind literally i went you know it, it like transformed me they're super talented musicians and the way that like it impacted me i was like i want to do this i want to try to do this um, so I played in, uh, a band, uh, called Mark the stay, uh, when I was in high school, uh, around here. And, um, you know, we, we played for a couple of years and then separated, went to college. I don't know why that's funny. Is it? What's funny? About no, that? it's not that you guys actually had some good songs. I'm just picturing like 
the band photos from back oh, yeah. <laughs> the band photos are definitely really good but uh but yeah we, we played for three or four years and you know had some fun and traveled a little bit and uh we, when we went our separate ways i kept driving and and kept writing and kept it to myself, similar to Natalie. I don't have that vocal talent. I, I, I didn't have any prospects of being a single artist by any means. Um, so, but that passion was always there, man. I always wanted to, to play and to write and to uh, get out in front of people and to try to connect in that way. And, you know, finally got the opportunity to do so when I'm 28 and almost married and working as an auditor, you know, so that's just the way, that's just the way the, the path goes, but glad to have the opportunity now. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, it's important for us to take the time to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and the people around us and setting ourselves up in a way that we can actually get back to doing this bullshit that we like doing, but do it with like a nice cushion under us so it doesn't have to be so stressful. So it's real easy for yeah. this stuff to get super stressful, especially if you're putting all your eggs into the basket of being a musician. Yeah. And that's, a, I'm glad you said that because, you know, uh, the Pittsburgh music scene, as you know, probably better than anyone is it's filled with great artists. And we've got to meet a lot and play with different people. And uh, like I said, on social media, you get to see all these people play out. And, you know, I, again, personally, uh, you start, my, my, are we a fraud? Like we got our real jobs and, you know, we're, we're not pursuing this maybe a hundred percent. Um, but then you, you realize that it's really about the creating uh, the creative aspect of mm-hmm. creating this music and able to share it with people, regardless of what the backstory mm-hmm. is or the, the comfort zone you're able to build. So I appreciate you saying that because that helps my own, you know, anxiety in this. In oh, this business. Yeah. Yeah. No. The one thing that I always tell people, I'm like, you know, do you think Kanye West really wants to sell shoes? <laughs> I don't think so. I just think it's, it's another revenue for money for him. I mean, yeah. Jay-Z owns a clothing company. There's so many people that are, you know, millionaire musicians, but they still have these side hustles. And it's because this just isn't as sustainable as you think it is. I mean, you see like right. Cardi B hustling products on Instagram and stuff. It's like, you're making a lot of money, aren't you, Cardi B? I guess not. That's I mean, the- probably more than what we will ever see, unfortunately, but still, it's, it is what it is. And there's just not a lot of money in music right now especially with the way things are going in terms of streaming and uh there's too many bands i'll just put it there's too many fucking bands <laughs> it's just there's the the there's too many fish in the sea but it's okay i think as long as like i said if you have a good cushion underneath you and if your expectations are you know modest and you're just well, i just want to play shows with my friends and just get as many people to like learn about my band as possible. I think it's easy to do that and be maintaining a healthy mentality about everything and not have to feel like a, uh, a sellout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, and now we can feel that's the closest, like the most relatable Kanye's ever been to me. Like a, <laughs> He's selling shoes and I'm doing finance. This very similar. <laughs> I'm not running for president, but you know, but at least we're close in that. Oh, in that. Like, I mean, even people that aren't so outwardly like entrepreneuristic, that's not a word, but you know what I mean? Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts with other musicians and all of them talk about like, oh, well, I invest in these stocks and I do all this other stuff on the side and, you know, being like uh, secret financial backers for different projects and things. So I think it's important no matter what you do 
especially these days in 2020, the year of the end times to definitely, you know, diversify your financial portfolio. It's good advice. That's a takeaway from. Yeah, that's that's the most punk rock thing that's ever come out of my goddamn mouth. Right. Right. Listen, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling good about myself. You know, I got I, I'm getting my my credit score back up. I'm crawling my way out of debt. It feels good. I feel a lot better about life. I feel a lot better about spending three months working on an album when I don't have crippling debt on my shoulders. You know, it makes it makes the the creative process a lot easier. I think that so much like your environment and the environment that you surround yourself in, I think really ties into the art and the productivity that you can have. I mean, granted, it can be counterproductive for me considering, you know, I play in a death metal band and I don't know how positive we want things getting because it's all, uh, but you know, I do some happy stuff too with the both of you. How do the two of you handle, you know, productivity and outside life because life could be stressful, but it seems like you're a couple of well-adjusted people that are getting along. All right. Do you find yourselves in like the environment that you have being a productive tool to surefire in the music that you're writing? Uh, I think out of the two of us, I'm the one that has more free time because I don't have a wife and two kids and a dog and a mortgage yeah. and all of that. So my time is like, I know, you know, I get out of work and I can like easily carve out time in which I like can lock, lock myself in my room and write and think about certain things and actually... Jason is much more the type A out of all of us. And like you'll send, you'll send me very, very kind nudges about, hey, you finished that verse yet? Did you finished that chorus yet? Like no pressure, but you know, yeah, maybe like two weeks have it done. And yeah, yeah so. it, it's a good balance. I think we've created a pretty good, uh, a pretty, pretty good environment between the two of us. We, mm-hmm. This is like our safe space musically. Uh, you know, we kind of separate family stuff and music stuff and all that thing. And, and, uh, we've been really productive, like I said, with the, with the whiteboard and, and, and writing this album. So it's been great. Um, but yeah, we're, we're two completely different people in like how we approach life and, and the experiences we've had. And, uh, we, uh, we found a way to, to, to create this space, uh, between the two of us and create this music that, uh, is, is based on this like unifying thing that we found mm-hmm. as, as two very different people. Mm-hmm. I think that that is really, really important. I think that those differences probably help the two of you out. You know, Jason might get Natalie to maybe, you know, a little kick in the butt about getting a verse done, but Natalie might get Jason just to calm the fuck down every once in a while and be like, yo, we're, it's cool. No, we're not playing a show for the next 20,000 fucking months. So let's not worry about this. All right. Is yes. that pretty much That's what it is? How <laughs> it, it, it operates. It's we're really nice um, foils and compliments to each other while sharing like a common like passion and interest to get the thing done. But mm-hmm. that's, yeah, you, you, hit the nail on the you, head. Hit the, you hit the nail on the head, especially when we have a show coming up or we're preparing for a show. I can be probably. Uh, a, a, a tad overbearing would you say was that how you describe it as far as like we need to practice we need to try this out we need to do mm-hmm. this 
that's the way I approach it. Natalie's more laid back. Again, she comes with the the talent. Uh, I'm all about the you know the preparedness. And, you, you, know, you get a little micromanagey like sometimes, but only because you want things to go absolutely perfect. And I'm just like, especially coming from like a theater background, I like know like the worst could happen, and you just have to keep rolling with it. So it's like you know you're pacing around like backstage and like in like the green room, like hoping everything go perfect. And I just slide you like a little shot of Jack and it, 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 it all works out. That's it. In a nutshell. That is it. Nice. I, I think that I relate with Jason probably in terms of being very unintentionally micromanagey and very in mm-hmm. my head about shows. Uh, just because like I I do not have a theater background, but I really respect giving people a fucking show. Like mm-hmm. I don't want people to come out on their night off and watch me and my band practice in a bar. Like I want them to see a fucking show. So, you know, yep. like we have the fucking lights and the whole projector screen and we have uh, you know, like costume changes between songs. Like it's a fucking thing. It's ridiculous. It's way too much, but I love it. But it's like so much for us to set up because we're not like given the space of a theater to do this. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do a a pseudo theater production in like a bar with no real backstage area. And like, you know, we're playing in between bands and we're the assholes that have like more gear than everybody there. It's so unnecessary, but I love it. And when it works, it's great. But it does help to have people in my circle that are like, yo, like, there's fucking 10 people here. Maybe we can calm down. Yeah, that's, yeah, (laughs) you're right, but because you have to make it a thing, not only for for yourself because you want to enjoy it, but for, like you said, the people that are watching. And uh, yeah, the balance is necessary because I'll go to the point where I won't even enjoy doing it because I'm so focused on the preparedness and, yeah, exactly. And, exactly. I, and I have to remind you, I'm like, hey, this is the fun part. Yeah, this exactly. is what we've worked to do is yeah. to actually do the show. Yeah. So the balance is key. Yeah. I, I've, I've had shows where I was so stressed out and so like lost in the sauce that I don't even realize that we played a show until like I'm on my way home and I'm like loading out and I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I didn't take yeah. the time to even appreciate it. Or like yeah. even worse, like I'm so caught up in the moment that I don't take the time to like thank people genuinely that came out or talk and mingle with people. And like that's the stuff that's important, like building those relationships with people that come out to come see you like more than once. Cause that's asking a lot of someone, you know, you probably have people yeah. in your family and close circles that have come seen you a few times and like they fucking get it. They don't have to keep coming, but they do. So you have to appreciate that. And if they bring new people out, it's good to talk with them. It's good to mingle with the other performers, get to know the bartenders, get to know the promoters, be nice to people. That's like the most crucial thing that we can do. I think to really get on a good track of success. I know right now with COVID, we're not playing any shows, so there are no people to really talk to. But when we get back to it, I think it's so much more important doing that than stressing over like how often we're releasing singles to tickle an algorithm and how we're going to get onto some Spotify playlist that nobody gives a shit about. It's like just play shows and be nice to everybody. Yeah, I find that that works the best. I think it's really easy to 
especially in the social media age, get lost in all of the noise and like just because you're constantly seeing it on your phone, on your laptop, on your iPad. It's just like of like comparing yourself to other people that might be getting less, might be getting more. Oh, they're doing this thing. Should we be doing this thing? And it's just noise. And that was then the one nice part about like being quarantined is just like focusing on the actual work and like mm-hmm. having no choice but to like shut all that out because like no one's we're all doing the same thing now so like yeah it got it got so bad for me going back to what i said earlier is that's why it took so long for me to respond to your messages on instagram i i took the app off my normal phone and i have like an old iphone three or four like and i put it on a burner phone so i have a burner social media phone Respect. that i put in the basement that I put in the basement and only look at it when I need to try to talk to someone because it was it was getting up you know obsessed with it to the point where it wasn't mm-hmm. you know it wasn't good, uh, but it was all you know all about wanting to get back to doing the thing like you said getting back to uh, getting people to enjoy the thing too you know I don't yeah no 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 I I one hundred percent understand I think that hopefully one thing that most of us come out of this quarantine with is like a a refocus on priorities and maybe being able to take a step back from social media, or if we want to use these platforms, be more mindful of like what we are following and who we are following. So we do really kind of create our own hell on social media. Like, you know, it sends you the algorithm just sends you stuff that you interact with. I'll like laugh at like posts of friends of mine that are like, I'm tired of everything on Facebook being all political, but you see them like leaving comments or liking or sharing political stuff. I was like, well, that's why that's all you're seeing because Facebook thinks that that's what you want to see. You know, just how about you just share Care Bears videos for two weeks and then see what you get. Exactly. And that's, yeah. And I, that's, did you watch the, this, this documentary, the social dilemma? I haven't watched it. No, I've heard about it. I have too. I haven't even watched it, but it's all about that. But uh, it is a positive. It is a fortunate thing to have if it's used in the right way, mm-hmm. especially now to try to get the content out there. It's just about keeping it in perspective. Mm-hmm. I think in two, you know, in terms of like stressing about like you see other people posting things and you're trying to figure out, you know, where you belong in this and when you should be posting and how you should be posting and what you should be posting. I think it's just really about like finding your audience. And the interesting thing for some people is that their audience just really isn't on social media. I don't know if that's the case for you guys, but I found that like with, again, like my death metal band, it's like we play shows, people were coming out. They're all like 30 something metal dudes. They're not really on Instagram. They're definitely not on TikTok. So like, (laughs) why am I going to go out of my way trying to promote this stuff to them? It's like, that's not our audience isn't there. You know, they're on Facebook because old people are on Facebook. That's like the grandpa app now. So they just kind of focus on that and don't focus so much on the other things. But it's kind of the flip. Like I'll have people on the show that are like, you know, 21 year old rap kids and they don't even have a Facebook page at all for any. They don't use it at all. There's no nothing. Yeah. And it's, it's wow. like, okay, it makes sense. But like, yeah. you know, Facebook's my biggest demographic for the podcast. So who the fuck are we going to promote this thing to, buddy? <laughs> and I'm also like, how did you find out about the show? How did that happen? But I guess it's on other things. It's just it's interesting. There's like a very 
there's a very, very specific generational gap happening right now. And it's like every social media platform has their own uh, demographic, their own age demographic. For sure. For sure. Should we get a TikTok? Is that thing? Is like, are we too old we don't for need, that? We don't need a TikTok. Right. You know, I mean, I've, there's some people that are killing it on TikTok. But I think the thing with TikTok is that you have to genuinely want to be making TikTok videos. Just like if you want to be a band, you have to genuinely want to do it. If you want to be in theater, if you want to be an actress, you have to want to do it. Otherwise, it's just not going to fucking work. <laughs> and I think there are people that get into some platforms like TikTok that are musicians. They just want to make music, but they get into this platform because they think that it's a way to trick people or get new fans, right? But people that are on TikTok really aren't on there trying to find new music. They just kind of want to watch dumb little videos. So you run the risk of potentially becoming distracted from working on music and doing things that actually benefit that you want to do to become like a clown on TikTok doing funny dances to songs that you wrote. And that works for some people's brands. Like some people can do that. But yeah. I don't I, I don't know the two of you well enough to know if you could do it or not. I imagine there is probably some sort of TikTok demographic that is more serious. There probably could be a singer songwriter demographic of TikTok. I have no idea. Everything that I've always seen on TikTok have been like people that are probably underage shaking body parts that I shouldn't be seeing. So I'm like, I just this isn't for me. This just isn't for me. This is really, really weird. I don't know why. Why is this on my phone? I don't like this at all. That's all I see on there, which is fine. Good for them, but it's just not for me. TikTok for me is just like cat and dog videos. Yeah. No, I've like seen like my friend sends me some because I refuse to get the app. And she'll be like, you like this one. I'm like, I do like that one. (laughs) But it's just like, you know, compartmentalizing like that can just be for fun. And like Instagram, it's like have fun, half like uh, we have to do the social media game. And then you do all the Facebook stuff because i got rid of that as well i got rid of facebook i got rid of snapchat facebook's on the burner phone too just mm-hmm. it's all it's all on that that side piece phone i think that there's you know the disconnect from social media or just like is pretty not a total disconnect but i think a healthy disconnect is good i try to think about you know i don't know if either of you were into MySpace or around when that was happening you had mentioned Rufio, and I'm pretty sure that was some MySpace shit. So uh, the thing that was really cool about that time in terms of the internet was that we weren't so attached to it. It was that thing that we could check like once a day, once every other day when we were on the computer. It wasn't on our phones and we weren't reminded to look at it once an hour. And I think that you could still interact with social media in the same way. You know, with my bands, I don't do this thing where it's like, oh, I have to post every day or I have to post every other day. It's like I'll post once a week, maybe if I have something to talk about. I'm not going to do one of these like, yo, we're in the studio working on that new shit. Nobody gives a fuck. Write the song and tell them about it when it's done. That's my opinion. At the end of the day, it's going to the same people. And, and you know, the goal, like we talked about, is making music that we're proud of mm-hmm. and that we feel good about. But you want to connect with with different people. And, and sometimes that's beneficial to do it in, in, on social media. And, you know, other times it's, it's you know, just hoping to get back uh, back out to playing live shows. And others is connecting like this, which 
I don't think I've said it yet, but we certainly appreciate you having us on, mm-hmm. you know, trying to connect to some different people that maybe didn't get introduced to us before. Totally, totally. I'm all about bringing everybody together. I just want to be around nice people. There's too many lame sons of bitches that are like, everybody sucks in the Pittsburgh music scene. I'm like, no, they don't suck. You suck. Go away. The moral of the story. I'm going to change my podcast to I don't suck. You suck. Go away. That's the name of my podcast from now on. So in terms of playing shows, I'm curious about, you know, once you started playing shows, because your demographic and the style of music that you play allows you a lot more opportunities than, say, a a death metal band, which is cool. Mm -hmm. No hate. So I'm curious, like, where you started playing shows and where you found, like, any sort of... uh, Success is a funny word to use, but however you define success in terms of playing shows and starting to build a, uh, I don't know, a track record, a resume, a uh, a portfolio of musical experiences and friendships. How did how did it start out? I think it started out just like who's going to have us? Like, where can we play? Like, where can we get like a five minute slot to do the thing? Yeah. We started, we tried, uh, open mics at first, uh, club cafe and smalls and others, you know, have open mics. I don't know if we really fit in there. Like you said, maybe a little bit, but there's all these great, you know, singer songwriters that have these long thoughtful songs. And we had these three minute pop rock songs on playing on acoustic, so we felt that out a little bit uh, and then got into some more still just playing the two of us, like smaller bar scenes and uh, uh, full pint Wildside pub, which I think closed down. recently. It did close. And I missed that stuff. place to death. It was great. It was a cool uh, room. Was a we played there a couple handfuls of times and places like that started to feel really comfortable with just the two of us. Um, but what we were yearning for and finally got a chance to do like towards the end of last year is, is play with accompanying musicians, like more of a rock set uh, because a lot of our music turned out after the last 10 songs or so we wrote is because it's more upbeat and energetic. So to do the thing appropriately, we felt like if we could just do it this way, this would really get our, our, our music across. So uh, we got one shot at it. We played a show celebrating our release of a three song EP called who we are. Last year at Club Cafe, hundred or so people had a you know uh, two friends play bass and, and drums, and it was just awesome. It's bonkers that we had a hundred people because we thought like forty will show up surely. Yeah, that was that was not meant to be a flex or anything like that, but it was it was like a cool fun show. We had you know people there as, uh, and, and uh, a lot of a lot of friends and family and stuff like that, and that was our I think like we hit our stride there, and then. I had my second child, so we took a little break and then the pandemic hit and we haven't been able to get back to, to that. But going forward, you know, that's the goal. We, we picked up a, a bassist who's now become a good friend of ours, has worked on our last two songs and uh, he's, you know, foe in the band. Um, and, and I think that's our sweet spot. But we have played shows at the zoo for events and, and played uh, um uh, we played a wedding once. Played at a wedding and and you know played other small bars and bar openings and things like that. So there's some 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 dynamics to what we can do. But uh, I think our our sweet spot. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Is like that that full full band kind of pop rock kicks you right in the proverbial D coming out the gate. It's just like that's that's where we uh, that's our main street there. I got you. So you know, Jason, with you uh, being the the guitar the guitar fella. 
you know, uh, I guess a uh, primary songwriter and the two of you write together, but you, you're probably coming up with riffs. I don't know what the, the, the whole, I don't know if, uh, Natalie, if you provide anything musical to this or if you're strictly a vocalist for the band. Um, yeah, like he'll come up with things and I'll be like, no, change it to these chords and capo on here and everything else. And then, uh, I know like I'm thinking about we're thinking about like maybe like incorporating some piano because I have a little bit of a piano background okay. so you yeah. do. as well. But I think yeah. So you're like arranging the songs together then. So yeah. what yeah. I'm curious about, I'll start with you, Jason. You know, we are, you know, we're a decade and some change removed from Rufio. I'm curious what you're listening to today and what inspires Surefire now. Uh, that's a great question. I will, I will say that my taste in music is probably super cliche and I'll admit that, but like, uh, right now today, um, I've always been a big, uh, Ed Sheeran fan. So, I mean, I think his, his music, I am just going to be, no, we both are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just his, his ability to create simple pop songs that are, you know, kind of span a spectrum of, of uh, genres. Always appreciated. Uh, I love Zed, like, Zed, I think, creates this, this great pop music that just kind of catches you. I've always been into songs that can, like, when you feel it, it kind of moves you. And not even being uh, funny, but seriously, like when you hear a song and you kind of bob your head or you, you get a reaction to it. I've been always attracted to that kind of music and, and probably draw a lot of inspiration from that. And then my, my core background is the, the early pop punk emo uh early fallout boy Rufio taking back Sunday brand new. That still probably influences 75% of how I approach songwriting. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of cool bands in that time frame that were doing some pretty cool stuff musically, you know, like, uh, were you a cartel fan? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I thought that they were great songwriters and they never got their, they never got their due. Those motherfuckers could write a goddamn hit. Oh yeah. It was catchy as hell. And they, I saw them at the Rex for their 10 year anniversary for chroma. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it was, and they still were just like excellent. They were super tight, and yeah, that that genre. I think it it was. I was probably more in love with like the the pop emo side, uh, and, and bands like Cartel. They had the ability to to do it. Like I said, like you'd hear a song and it had the the big powerful guitars and the the powerful uh, you know drum and bass line. And it still would make you move like it was a pop song. You know what I mean? And it, uh, and emoted, it had the ability to create emotion and there's the emo side of it. But, uh, but yeah, that's what's, that's what's driving me. That was the really cool thing about pop rock at that time was that there was a lot of guitar driven music that was just like unapologetically pop. And now yes. like, you know, I come from my little heavy metal background and my scary stuff, but I appreciate an Ed Sheeran just as much as you do. Probably. I don't have any Ed Sheeran records on my wall or anything, but I respect the fucking dude. And I don't know if you've heard any of the new machine gun Kelly stuff, how he, he did that pop punk album. I've heard about it. And it was it's recommended good. to me. Is it good? It's yeah. Good. I mean, like I'm not like a fan of the music itself, but it's a good record. Like I can recognize talent and dedication and passion going into something like I could tell that it's something that he genuinely wanted to fucking do and it's really cool to hear somebody on that level that's like a pop star bringing like guitar focused music back to the mainstream he had like a billboard number one album and that's like awesome because not that I 
don't like a Post Malone or a Cardi B or Imagine Dragons, but it's nice to hear some guitar on the radio again. For sure. I mean, is there even a the Foo Fighters is is was maybe mainstream for a, a second there, but outside of them, there's there isn't any like there isn't any rock maybe guitar focused musicians out there right now i mean there are but uh, so many of them are like legacy bands like foo fighters they're a legacy band now you know like they they've been kicking out albums for decades and you'll have like you know metallica whenever they put out something new you know that'll do well guns and roses is like not been off the billboard top 100 in one way or another forever just just because it's guns and roses and there's a lot of shit like that and i, I think that that's great but yeah in terms of like new bands it's really really cool to see new bands or just new even though machine gun kelly's not a new artist he's definitely someone that still at least resonates with youth like people that are you know teenagers and in their early 20s will still listen to machine gun kelly i think it's really hard for teenagers to be like oh metallica's cool like no that's stuff that my dad listens to so like you know teenagers don't really want to listen to that yeah and we have no air you know no uh I don't know what the word is, but thoughts that we're going to fill that spot on the billboard. But I think that, uh, I think that, uh, that's kind of the, the niche that we, we see like a, a pop rock focused, you know, band that, that maybe there isn't a lot of, a lot of space out there. So Natalie, what yeah. the hell are you listening to? <laughs> I listen to a little bit of everything. I'm very much, um, like off the cuff, emotional, what I listen to usually like day to day is a lot of um, classic seventies and eighties rock. I'm really into Fleetwood Mac. Mm, I've heard of them. (laughs) That little indie band. Uh And um, Freddie Mercury is a huge inspiration to me as a performer and just constantly listening to Queen and dissecting like how he could do vocally what he did. Oh yeah. But also, um, you know, like whenever I'm like focused on like when we would play shows, like doing that, like a lot of like classical, like Mozart and Chopin and Debussy and all that. And then um, I, I literally I like everything. Have you ever heard of um, Rally Ritchie? He's like an R&B um, British guy. No. I love his work because like it really marries um, kind of a, like a little bit of like pop R&B and rap, but then he'll have just like these like classical string breakdowns in the middle of a song that it's just like, how does someone think of this? In terms of not knowing how things work, when it comes to working on music, are the two of you self-recording, self-producing demos? Are you doing like the whole thing yourselves? Or are you like working with uh, producers? Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a progression uh, our first EP that we did called for what it's worth. Uh, we did it with a friend uh, who opened the, the vault recording studios uh, and kind of just threw the five songs together with his help. Uh, didn't put a ton of time into like production and things like that. Um, the next three songs, four songs, I should say, including a Christmas song, uh, we're all self-produced in here. Um, and there's some benefits to that, but also uh, limits. Know, some limits, obviously. Uh, I was right after we started releasing those singles, I was listening to KDO's podcast, Seen Unheard, mm-hmm. and uh, Punchline was on it. And I was a big fan of Punchline back in the day. And they were, she, she asked them a question, what is one thing you would recommend to new and up and coming artists? They were like, don't just put out shitty 
self-recorded songs, like, uh, you know, put, put some time into effort into it. I was like, shit, we literally just put out three self-recorded singles and this was the path that we were going down. Um, but no, I think that at the end of the day, we're, we're super proud of them, mm-hmm. but that was the progression from the first take, uh, from the first EP. And then these last two singles we've released, we got, we worked with a guy named Benjamin Nicholson, who's AKA as William Sparks. He's a local artist around here. Uh, he mixed and mastered them. Uh, and just, again, the progression sound quality is so much better. It's hard to deny, you know, from our perspective, the songwriting across the board, we're proud of, mm-hmm. uh, but we, we definitely acknowledge that progression in the, you know, 10 to the 12 songs we've released over time. It's also like part of like the balancing act is finding like where our expertise is limited yep. and knowing like, you know, and it's also nice to have like a third party objective that is like, you know, doesn't have like the emotional attachment and like the work that goes into, goes into creating and yep. making the songs that they're like, yeah, they're just focused on the mixing. I think it's really valuable yep. to have. Yeah. Yeah, I always say that I think it's really important for bands to at least have an understanding of how the recording process works. I think self-demoing is awesome if you can self-record. That's super cool. I think, you know, in ter- just because you recorded something yourself doesn't mean that it's bad. So, you know, the punchline guys can go fuck themselves for saying that. That's okay. I know those guys, so I could say that. It's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, but... And I, I get where they're coming from, though. And regardless, though, I think that you should have some idea of how to record yourself. So when you are working with other people, you know how to communicate with them and you know what's going on and you can know that, you know, make make it also helps like when you're finding producers to work with or engineers, like finding the right person, because like somebody that produces like my album really good might do your album like shit or vice versa. I think that, you know, it's, it's a lot like cooking in some ways, you know, you don't go to one, you know, I don't know. You don't go to a burger place looking for pad Thai or whatever fucking example you want to give it. Uh, so I think that that's really cool. And I think that, you know, that's something that sometimes takes people a long time to figure out. And it seems like even in your short period, you've figured that out, but it probably helps if you're being all uh, wacky and listening to podcasts and trying to figure out what I got to do and doing research and doing all these things and taking advice from people that helps too. Yeah, no. (laughs) And I, and uh, I love doing it and it's been great to learn about it. Like you said, it helps to understand when you're trying to get even working with Ben uh, trying to get the mix. I had a little understanding of EQ and, and you know, all that stuff. Um, And yeah, it's been a learning curve and back to resetting for this album and keep looking back to the board as if you can see it. But, you know, we're, we're planning to, to get more help and, and it's going to be another progression. It's going to be a project that we're, we're going to put the time and effort mm-hmm. and some money into to, to make it, you know, exactly what we want it to be. And it's, it's an accumulation of that learning process over the last four or so years. I think it's really, really important to take the time because if you don't, you're always, I mean, it's so much in the long run. It's so much better to spend the extra six months just doing it right instead of spending the next six years asking yep. yourself why you didn't do it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cause there's songs that we kick ourselves over that we're like, ah, oh, we would have done it this way or we could have tried, you know, tried different things. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, I think, no, I want to speak for you, super proud of the collective uh, 
uh, group of songs that we've put out. Uh, but we're continuing to learn and looking forward to uh, the next project being bigger and better and the best yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the the project that you just finished up recording, I don't know if you finished it, but the the quarantine, the surprise quarantine album that you had, <laughs> what's the plan for that? You got like a yes. release date or anything? Or are you just you just figuring out like all that shit? Uh, not yet. Uh, and. <laughs> 10 to 12 songs written, still kind of figuring out which ones fit, which ones don't. Probably eight or so confident in. Mm-hmm. Two to three were rotating. Um, and then the plan would be, hopefully things get a little better restriction-wise, and uh, the goal would be to start working with our musician friends and building out the production and, and getting ready to record early next year. So um, I would say it's, you know, the writing is 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 done. We got our ideas. It's not, not a theme in any way, but it kind of it's kind of reflexive reflective of where we are kind of as, as two people. And also in this world where we're still pursuing this music thing, like we talked about earlier, we're still pursuing it. Uh, we have these other worlds going on on the parallel, but we're, we're, we're not giving up on this thing, whatever this thing is uh, we're still pursuing. And at the end, it's going to be, it's going to be worth it. So um, hopefully uh, summer, fall 2021, it's crazy to say 2021. Uh, 2021 we're, release, but uh, we're only two months more away. We're only know, two, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's hard to believe. Yeah, the, the, this year went was zooming, but I think that yeah, I think that the two of you have the the best outlook that you possibly can on this whole situation. Just take your time with it, let it naturally come together. There's no rush, especially. Now, there's definitely no rush. But even before the pandemic, there was no rush. It was just self-imposed rushes. You know, just because somebody else that you know puts out two songs, three songs, four EPs, whatever. It's probably all dog shit. Take your time. Do your good stuff. I think that there's definitely... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you said. I was just going to say, like, I think we've definitely learned the hard way that comparison is like truly a thief of joy. It's just like, we should just like be happy for like our friends and our colleagues, but we got to, you know, like keep our nose to the grindstone and do what we need to do and work on what works best for us on our own time frame. Yep. Mm -hmm. And outside of the band, everybody is just working their lives and being happy and healthy. What do you write songs about when things are okay? Uh, I, uh, that's funny you say that. My, my <laughs> wife has been asking when you, when you're going to write a song about me. That's what she says. Um, but there's no one wants to hear about like a happy suburban family life. Sure. So I draw on, I write a, I draw on little things like a little scenario and kind of tell a story about it. So I'd say the things that I write about are more, uh, I don't want to say untrue, but like storytelling more so where I'll take a, you know, such a boys cry love is a single we released this year. It was, it was based on a story from, from Natalie's experience about a guy, just like the first line is based on that. And then I just kind of took it from that and just made some shit up. Um, but I, and 
you could talk about your side, but we, we probably have 50, 50. So your songwriting experience and, and basis mm-hmm. is on the completely other side of the spectrum. Probably. Yeah. My life isn't yet on the level of a white picket fence <laughs> or anything like that. So I like, I say like I have a couple of years till I'm 30. So I still have a couple of years of bad decisions left in me. And a lot of those bad decisions and misadventures have led into my songs. And it's like, you know, whenever anything happens in my life, like we have a single out called Ghost, which was about a really like really rough breakup. It was like just my way of like therapizing and going through that. And that's what a couple of these songs in the new album are being of like, you know, processing like all of like, you know, of 2020 being like a dumpster fire of a situation and like how to keep going on. So yeah. And I'm not very like subtle, like in my lyrics, I'm not that (laughs) intricate of a poet. It's just like, I write like what's actually happened in some of my lives. I'm like, what was the, I can't remember the the title of the song that was about uh, a really weird night that I had. And yes, (laughs) a really weird night that I had out in DC before I moved back here and it was just kind of like detailing like little bits and pieces of like that night so some of some of the interesting content comes from just yeah. little disasters in my life right. sounds good yeah. <laughs> like you said it's the it's the balance between us the yin and the yang yeah and I, i've had the i've uh transferred from writing like my emo bass songs for for a whiny young man like myself to, you know, trying to write songs for a, you know, powerful female vocalist. And, um, I think again, to go back to this album, I think we've, we've done that. And, uh, the combination of writing styles is, you know, hopefully will be a good compliment, uh, on this upcoming album. I'm curious, was there a moment for you, Jason, like, you know, you, I don't think you explicitly said this, but I have the the hunch that maybe you took a step away from playing music at all for maybe a few years when like things were happening with work and a family was starting and all that hubbub. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there was a down period and uh, probably right around the time uh, I started dating my now wife, kind of got back into it a little bit. But yeah, there was a there was a downtime because it was like, I'm writing some songs and I, I'd listen to them and no one else would. And it was cool. And I, you know, record some shitty demos and be kind of happy about them, but it wasn't going anywhere and kind of lose. I lost interest there for a little bit, but uh, yeah, it kind of this opportunity has brought it back and, and, and to be able to do it with, uh, with Natalie and, and from a different perspective with a different, uh, you know, projection of that music has been pretty, pretty sweet. Was there a moment whenever you were getting back into writing again after you know your life had changed and things had gotten a little bit you know you know you're in a good healthy position where you were like like shit like what do i write a song about did that happen in your head uh yeah for sure and that's why and that's why (laughs) you know one of the songs that i wrote uh in uh, the high school band was called high schools like hollywood and like Natalie, <laughs> it was probably more about like high school relationship or like something very specific. And now, you know, transferring to more of like a storytelling songwriting. No one wants to hear about white picket fence life. It's, and sometimes I'll just say to you whenever I have like an idea, I'm like, Jason, this happened to me. Like, I know you can do it. Like, go right. 
Yeah. No, and that's, that's kind of the balance. Again, mm-hmm. take, I can draw on her exciting young life and put it into, put it into salt. <laughs> Hell yeah. So as we're rounding the corner here, the train's pulling back into the station. We've had a nice hour long ride around the mountain of storytelling and songs that is surefire. I want to thank you for being on the show. So thank you. I'm just kidding. Thank you. And before we go, why don't you let the people know where they can find you, where they can check out some music and, you know, keep up with y'all whenever we get the ball back rolling with real life and we can, you know, get together and have a mosh pit at a surefire show. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. Um, SurefireMusicPGH.com is our website. That's our tagline for Instagram and Facebook as well. Our music's on the website. It's on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, all the all the sites, SoundCloud, mm-hmm. things like that. And and you you kind of pulled us out of the the cavern. We're gonna you know use this as an opportunity to to start to you know get back out into the the media space, if you will. And and more is to come on on the new album and other things. Um, so. Keep an eye out. Like I said, Surefire Music, PGH at at Instagram and Facebook, and that's where mm-hmm. that's where we'll be. That's where we'll be. Awesome. And with that being said, that is all, folks. I'm doing an introduction right now, or an introduction. Uh, I'm doing an outro, and it's really weird because my camera died. But that's okay. That's all, folks. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And we are done. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, friends. Thank you. We really appreciate it, man. It was fun.